0: Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church podcast. Let's get started. Good morning, everyone. So glad that you've joined us as we continue this teaching series called Tree Chronicles. And I want to start off with a quick poll. All right, we're going to take a poll this morning Uh, by a show of hands. How many of you have ever attended a concert or some kind of show or sporting event where you've had an obstructed view, meaning wherever you were standing or seated, you couldn't see everything that was going on on stage? How many of you had that experience? Okay, yeah, the majority of you, right? So, a number of years ago, Aaron and I went to this concert in Sacramento at the Ace of Spades, and we arrived fairly early for the show, and so we had a pretty decent view of the stage. Until a guy who was like 6'6", comes to join his group of friends right in front of us, right? So now we have this mountain of a man standing right in front of us, and in just a matter of moments, our clear view became an obstructed view. Now, maybe you've never had an obstructed view at a concert or a game, but you've had one at life Points. Perhaps you've noticed the giant pole in the middle of our auditorium. All right? Now, not a very big deal when this building was a Harley-Davidson dealership. Having the pole in the middle of their showroom, hey, no problem. Not quite as ideal when this is an auditorium, right? And so now everyone in the back section, I'm going to be playing peekaboo with you for the rest of the sermon as I go back and forth, right? And so maybe that has been your experience at some point here. Thankfully, our obstructed view seating is not quite as bad as some other venues around the country let me give you a few examples of that. See, this first one is at the Hollywood Bowl venue in Southern California, and if that's where you're seated, at least you can hear what's going on on the stage, even if you can't see everything that's happening. This next one is the view for some fans at Western Michigan University, where you have a better view of the trees changing colors than the actual football game, all right? I mean, that is brutal absolutely brutal if you're sitting there. So this next one is Yankee Stadium when you're sitting in the left field bleachers. This stadium was built in 2009 and and when you're sitting in left field you can only see a portion of center field and you can't see anything going on in right field. Now They spent $2.3 billion to build this stadium and they couldn't come up with a design for everyone who's actually at the game to see what's going on, right? And their solution was, hey, let's put up some flat screen TVs so when the ball is hit in the opposite field, they can watch it at home or on the TV just like everybody else at home. It's ridiculous. $2.3 billion. Now... I must acknowledge that Wrigley Field, the beloved home of my Chicago Cubs, also has (laughs) obstructed views. And if you happen to be sitting here, you can't see home plate or first base. Not ideal, all right? It's not ideal. But that stadium was built in 1914 and construction techniques have changed. So that's our excuse. The Yankees got nothing, all right? The Yankees have no excuse. And then, last but not least, there's this guy <laughs> brutal, right? It doesn't matter what's happening, this guy isn't going to witness any of it, right? And so for those of you behind the poll, it could be worse, all right? It could be worse. The past few weeks, we've been in this teaching series called Tree Chronicles. And throughout this series, we've been studying various trees or biblical accounts that include trees. And our goal is to discover the truths or principles that we need to learn and apply to our lives from these biblical trees or the stories that include trees. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at a passage that not only involves trees— but someone who had an obstructive view. So I invite you to turn in your Bibles or navigate in your Bible app, even jump on the YouVersion app to follow along with the notes. Uh, and We're going to go to Luke 19. Luke chapter 19. And you can follow along as I read, starting in verse 1. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way." So as Jesus makes his way through the city of Jericho, there's this large crowd of people surrounding him because word had spread about this person who cast out demons, healed the sick, fed thousands of people at one time, stood up to the religious rulers, and taught with authority. And as a result, his popularity was growing rapidly, and there always seemed to be a crowd of people surrounding him wherever he went. Now, a few years ago, Netflix released a documentary called The Last Dance, which followed the Chicago Bulls and the GOAT, Michael Jordan, during the 1998 season. Only facts on stage. Only facts. Um, Now, no matter where the team went right? No matter where the team went, there was always a crowd of people, whether they were traveling to a different U.S. city or around the world. Everywhere there was so many people trying to catch a glimpse of Jordan and the bulls. And this was a modern day example of what life was probably like for Jesus and the 12 disciples. Because everywhere they went, people wanted to catch a glimpse or get close to Jesus. And so like so many others, Zacchaeus heard about Jesus and wanted to see this man that everybody was talking about. However, in verse 3, we learn that Zacchaeus is vertically challenged. All right? Vertically challenged. I mean, no one is selecting him to be in their starting five, if you know what I'm talking about. Now, being on the shorter side of things, Zacchaeus wasn't able to see over the crowd to get a glimpse of Jesus. His view was obstructed, but rather than give up and be like, you know what, forget it, I'm just going home, there's too many people. That's not what he does. He runs ahead and he climbs a tree so that he has a better view of Jesus. He repositions himself. He changes his perspective so that he's able to see more clearly. So after finding this spot in the sycamore fig tree, Zacchaeus waits for Jesus to walk by. But when Jesus arrives at Zacchaeus' location, something surprising happens. Let's read verses 5 through 7 of Luke 19. It said, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. Now, Of course, we don't know what Zacchaeus was expecting or hoping would happen as Jesus walked by. At a minimum, we know he wants to see Jesus, right? He wants to see Jesus. Now, best case scenario, Jesus makes eye contact with Zacchaeus or gives him a wave or a head nod as he goes by. I mean, there's so many people surrounding Jesus, hoping for anything more than that would have been completely ridiculous right? Just unrealistic. But when Jesus gets to the trees Zacchaeus had climbed, he does far more than acknowledge Zacchaeus. See, first he calls Zacchaeus by name, even though they had never met, which is just a small reminder that Jesus is not only fully man, he's fully God. And can you imagine what's going through Zacchaeus' mind when he hears Jesus speak his name, knowing that, essentially, they're complete strangers, right? Like, how does he know my name? What? Does he want from me? I mean, think about it. There's this massive crowd of people, and I'm sure there are people clamoring for Jesus' attention. Jesus, will you heal me? Jesus, hold my baby. Jesus, can I get your autograph, right? All this stuff is going on. But then out of nowhere, Jesus singles out Zacchaeus and calls him by name. And he must have been shocked and if that weren't enough, what Jesus says next probably made his jaw hit the floor. Jesus says, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And again, we don't know what's going through Zacchaeus' mind, but he, he gathers himself quickly, gets down the tree, and welcomes Jesus to his house. However, there's a bunch of people who see and hear this exchange take place Between Zacchaeus and Jesus, and all those people who who heard what's going on or they see what's going on, they got a little something to say about it, right? They got a little something to say. The NIV says they began to mutter. The English Standard Version says they all grumbled. The Greek word that was used in this verse conveys that many were indignantly complaining. And why are the people so upset? Because Jesus had gone to be the guest. Of a sinner. You see, back in verse 2, we learn that Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector and that he is wealthy. And at first glance, these seem like insignificant details that we could easily miss or gloss over. However, in this particular culture, being a tax collector carried some extra baggage. One commentator writes this Tax collectors were typically Jews who served the Romans by collecting taxes for them. They were viewed as collaborators and were ostracized. Often the tax collectors were dishonest and greedy and took advantage of their fellow Jews by overtaxing them and keeping the takings for themselves. The people looked at tax collectors both as traitors and thieves. And this insight explains why the people, Jews, right, primarily, would have reacted so poorly to Jesus' desire to spend time with Zacchaeus. But as surprised as they would have been at Jesus' request to go to Zacchaeus' house, they would have been just as surprised by what Zacchaeus does next. Check out verse 8. It says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. You see, this encounter with Jesus, this unexpected encounter with Jesus, he wasn't planning on having an interaction with him. He just wanted to see him. He just wanted to lay eyes on him. Who is this person that everybody's been talking about? But they go on to have this surprising interaction, this unexpected interaction. And and this exchange between Jesus and Zacchaeus, it changes him. See, having been cast off and considered less than by his own people, the love and the care and the acceptance that Jesus shows Zacchaeus, despite his obvious character flaws— Despite his poor behavior, it's transformed Zacchaeus from the inside out. And the evidence of that transformation is seen in his actions. And this is essentially what we were talking about last Sunday. In John chapter 15, we learn that God's desire for us is to bear much fruit. Meaning we ought to live our lives in such a way that it demonstrates that we are growing in our faith and becoming more and more like Jesus. And while it's difficult to list all of the ways in which we can bear fruit, right? we talked about how our character and our conduct and our converts are three primary ways in which we can bear fruit. These are areas of our lives in which we should be bearing fruit. And here in Luke chapter 19, we begin to see Zacchaeus bear fruit when it comes to his character and his conduct. First, Zacchaeus commits to giving half of his possessions to the poor. And quite possibly, this could be the first time that Zacchaeus's immense wealth will benefit other people. Additionally, Zacchaeus also commits to paying restitution at four times the amount uh, to those he has cheated. You see, Zacchaeus' behavior is evidence of genuine heart change. And it's what causes Jesus to say, today salvation has come to this house. Today, salvation has come to this house. Commentator Kevin Zuber writes, This quick, decisive reversal of attitude toward wealth, a willingness to spend it, not in shrewd worldly ways, but to spend it with eternal life in view, made it clear that, Zacchaeus, or that salvation had come to Zacchaeus's house. Now, at this point in the story, it's important to note that Jesus didn't see Zacchaeus as a traitor and a thief like everybody else did. Jesus saw Zacchaeus as the reason he came to earth in the first place. It's why he came. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. You see, this encounter that Jesus has with Zacchaeus is a picture of what Jesus' ministry is all about. However, this isn't the first time that Jesus highlights the focus or, or the purpose of his ministry. Just a few chapters prior in Luke 15, Jesus tells three parables or stories that reiterate his words in Luke 19:10. But prior to sharing the parables, Luke tells us who's among the crowd when these parables are shared. Luke 15, 1 and 2 says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, this muttering of the Pharisees, it's exactly identical to the complaints from the crowd in Luke 19, but this is what leads Jesus to share the parables. Check out what he says in Luke 15, starting in verse 4. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Jesus goes on to tell two more parables with a very similar message because he wants to drive home the point that Jesus is all about reaching the lost, and he demonstrates that to be true in the passage that we're studying this morning. You see, Jesus could have easily walked under the tree branch on which Zacchaeus sat and continued on his way. He could have easily brushed off or overlooked Zacchaeus just like everybody else did, but instead, Jesus identifies Zacchaeus as the lost sheep. Someone who needed to be found. Someone who was worth going after. A sinner who needed a savior. And as a result from what we know in Luke 15, there is great rejoicing in heaven on that day because what had been lost was found. Zacchaeus had been lost, but now he's among those who are found. And so what is this story about a short guy climbing a tree have to do with us, right? How does this story apply to our lives today? And I know there are some of you here this morning because like Zacchaeus, you've heard about Jesus. You've heard something about God or you've heard a little something about the church and and you're looking to find out more. And whatever it was that you heard, it's piqued your interest enough that you wanted to do some exploring or even fact-checking on your own. And it could be that a friend or family member told you about Jesus and and now you want to check it out for yourself. And and you're wondering, "Is, is Jesus really everything that people have been telling me? Can he actually help me? Or maybe you went to church a long time ago, even as a kid. And you remember some things, but at this point in your life, you're looking to get a better understanding of who Jesus is and what he has to offer you now. Or possibly, what he has to offer your family, or your marriage, or some other area of your life. In essence, you want to climb the tree like Zacchaeus and get a glimpse of Jesus For yourself. And if that's where you're at this morning, you came to the right place. Because the Bible tells us those who draw near to God, He will draw near to them. And even though God is infinite and all powerful and all knowing, He's everything you've heard and then some, He wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants nothing more than that. And that's where it all begins. Everything flows from that. And so whatever your reasoning is for wanting to explore Christianity or find out more about this guy, Jesus, in time, you will come to find, just like Zacchaeus did, that when you come to Jesus, you will get far more than you bargained for every single time. Because yes, he can help you through whatever difficult season you're going through. Yes, he has the blueprint for a healthy marriage. Yes, he knows how to help you make Wise decisions, but above all else, he offers salvation. He offers eternal life. And if, like Zacchaeus, you've seen enough to know that Jesus is the real deal, today can be your day of salvation as well. And I'll tell you how to make that happen in just a minute. There are others here this morning who might be among the crowds following Jesus, but But you're content with where things are at, right? You're not looking to have an encounter with Jesus that is going to cause you to change your life or cause you to live differently. And if that's where you're at this morning, you like being around church, like, hey, good message, good music. I I know some people, yeah, it's good. The coffee, it's all right, right? You know, like whatever reason you're coming, you like being amongst the crowd, right? You like being around Jesus. But if that's where you're at this morning, My encouragement to you is to climb the tree. Change your perspective. Give yourself an opportunity to see Jesus more clearly and discover the life that He has for you, that He wants for you. See, prior to climbing the tree, Zacchaeus had a lucrative job, he had a position of authority. On the outside, People were probably thinking, man, this guy, it's not that bad. He has power and he has more money than he knows what to do with. But his occupation probably put a strain on relationships or made it difficult to have solid friendships. He also had a job that caused a lack of integrity. You see, Zacchaeus was living for himself. So I can't help but wonder how fulfilled or satisfied was his life really. And everything changed when he took steps to get his eyes on Jesus. And the same could be true for you as well. See, what might God do in your life if you were to climb the tree to see Jesus? What might God do if you were to remove the obstacles that have been standing in your way, keeping you from having an encounter, a life-changing encounter with Jesus? And even if you have yet to make a move, if you've done nothing to change your perspective or climb your tree or, or to grow in your understanding of who Jesus is and what he has to offer you, here's what we already know from not only Luke 15, but Luke 19 as well. Jesus is already looking for you. He's already looking for you. Because initially, while Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus, there was never a moment where Jesus couldn't see Zacchaeus. He always knew where he was. He always knew his name. And he knows your name as well. And so take the next move. He's waiting for you to draw near to him so he can draw near to you. Climb the tree. Come to him because today can be your day of salvation as well. And if that's a step you want to take this morning, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. We say it's as easy as A, B, C, right? C. First A, you have to acknowledge that your relationship with God is broken because of your sin. The stuff that we've done that isn't on par with what God wants, right? The things that God wouldn't approve of. B, believe that God sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the punishment for your sins. And C, choose to live for him. Allow him to be the boss. Allow him to be the one who's calling the shots. And if you want to have a life-changing encounter with Jesus this morning... All you have to do is begin a relationship with him. All you have to do is repeat a simple prayer that I'm going to pray. And it has nothing to do with the the words I say. There's nothing magical about them, but more that you simply mean them in your own heart. So I'm going to ask that you bow your heads, close your eyes, and, and let's simply pray together. God, I want to know you personally. I acknowledge that my sins have separated me from you. Thank you for sending Jesus who died in my place and rose again to be my Savior. I now turn to Jesus to rescue me from my sin by placing my faith in him alone for forgiveness and eternal life. Amen. Amen. And if if you pray that prayer for the very first time, man, we want to celebrate that decision with you. We want to come alongside you and help you take next steps in your relationship with God. And you can let us know that you made that decision by simply texting the word connecting, I-N-G on the end of it, connecting to the phone number nine four You'll receive a link in return. You just simply click the button that says, I accepted Christ today. And someone from our team would love to be able to follow up with you on the decision you made. And oh, finally, I know there are some in this room who already have a relationship with Jesus. And there's an important point of application for you as well. You see, it's very clear that we know that Jesus has come to seek and save the lost. He was intentional about looking for them. He was intentional about spending time with them. That's exactly what happened in Luke 19. And as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're called to do the same thing. You see, each and every one of us has a sphere of influence, which is made up of the people that we interact with, talk to, cross paths with on a regular basis. And your sphere of influence, it could include family members, close friends, coworkers, neighbors, your kid's teacher, your kid's coach, whoever, people that you rub shoulders with on a regular basis. Now, most of you on the way in, you received the Sphere of Influence card. Looks like a coaster, right? You gotta laminate it first though. The Sphere of Influence card. And we put this in your hands because we want you to identify those in your SOI, those in your Sphere of Influence who don't yet know Jesus. Ask yourself, who are the people I'm interacting with on a regular basis in my existing rhythms and routines of life that are not Yet, Christians. And we want you to write their names down on this card. And then I want you to put it somewhere that you're going to see it every single day. Because this card is going to serve as a reminder for you to do a couple of different things. One is to pray for these names or pray for these people by name every single day. That they might become aware of their need for Jesus. And then two, this card is going to serve as a reminder for you to be intentional about creating opportunities to invest in them, to build relationships with them, with the hope that one day you might be able to point them to Jesus. Now, just a quick side note, for those of you who don't know any non-Christians, right, maybe you don't have any unbelieving friends or neighbors or co-workers to write on this list or you're unaware of them I lovingly say that's a problem that's a problem you see our calling is to make more followers of Jesus but if everybody you know already loves Jesus it's going to be very difficult for you to fulfill the mission right now there's nothing wrong with having Christian community we need it right? It's so important. It's vital to our lives. But when our only community is a Christian community, we are missing it. We are missing it. If you are not consistently rubbing shoulders with people who don't know Jesus, that's a problem. And you need to do something about it. You need to expand your sphere so that it includes people like Zacchaeus, People who are lost and need to be found because the people that you write down, they're counting on you. They don't know it, but they're counting on you because you might be the only Jesus they ever encounter. You might be the only church they ever encounter and you have a responsibility to them. You see, we don't get to opt out. If you call yourself a Christian, then God calls you a missionary. And I realize some of you have a desire to reach those in your SOI, but, but you don't know how. And I get it, right? We talked about it last week. It's scary, it's intimidating. And, and yeah, oftentimes we're left wondering, well, what do I do now? What do I do next? And if that's where you're at, I would encourage you to go to lifepoint.org slash influencer. Go to lifepoint.org slash influencer because we have some simple, practical ways that you can begin to build relationship intentionally with those who are in your sphere of influence. And also, maybe even more importantly, at the bottom of that webpage, lifepoint.org influencer, at the bottom of that webpage, you can get signed up for this three-week mini-series that we're doing in October called How to Be an Intentional Influencer. We wanna come alongside you and equip you to live on mission because no, it's not easy. Right? It's, it's challenging, it's difficult, but we want to help you get there. And so I hope you'll take advantage of these resources. And my hope and prayer really for all of us is that we'll have a life-changing encounter with Jesus that we will no longer be among the lost, but be among those who are found. And once that happens, that we will follow Jesus' example and live our lives passionately pursuing those who still need to find him. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.